Welcome to the Top Business Leaders Podcast. You'll learn how successful people just like you have grown their businesses, expanded their influence, and made money by writing a book. On each episode, you'll learn the inside secrets to help you create a book that can serve as a powerful marketing tool to skyrocket your business. I'm your host, Dan Janelle. I help thought leaders, business executives, and entrepreneurs write their books. To find out more and to download our show notes, go to topbusinessleaders.com. Our guest today is Mary Kelly, the author of many, many books and including a new one. So welcome, Mary. Hey, Dan. I'm so happy to be with you and your listeners today. Thank you. Mary, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your journey, and then we'll dive into your newest book, and then we'll get some book coaching tips from you. Dan, that sounds great. So really quickly for your listeners, I spent 25 years on active duty in the Navy. I mostly led multicultural teams throughout Asia. I was an intelligence officer. I ran bases. I got to do a lot of logistics. Uh, We call it big buildings, big people, uh, big money type things. And when I retired out of the Navy, I had some pretty good experience speaking in front of a lot of people. I started a company that is about growing productive leaders and business growth, and I use my books to enhance the goals of my company. Fantastic. And you just told me in our little preliminary that you have a new book coming out. I think you have like four others. Tell us about your new book. So the new book coming out is called Who Comes Next? Leadership Succession Planning Made Easy. Now, this is a problem that, as you know, throughout businesses today, with baby boomers retiring at about 10,000 a day, that means we've got about 3.7 million people leaving the workforce every year. By uh, next year, millennials are 50% of the workforce, and by 2025, they are 75% of the workforce. And here's the problem. They are not being groomed for succession. So this book is a way to do this in a way that makes sense for not only the leaders who are leaving the organization, but also those second and third tier leaders who are moving up, hopefully, as well as the people who are growing into other positions. So it addresses board members who are looking for their next leader, the departing leader, as well as the leadership team that will take over. Fantastic. That sounds very interesting. Um, I'm, I'm impressed by the 10,000 people retiring a day uh, factoid because I ghost wrote a book with a doctor about Medicare and Medicare Advantage, and we use the same statistic. 10,000 people a day are retiring. So what a market. Uh, exactly. So it's cool. Great. So my first question for you is, you're a thought leader. You've done numerous books on leadership. How do you keep your nose to the grindstone and say, my gosh, Here's a new trend that no one has thought of. How can I capitalize this? How do you spot a trend that will help you break out as a thought leader? Well, Dan, as you know, I'm an economist. So it's my job to sort of look at trends, look at data, and then try to predict the next hole in the market or the next market opportunity. So I do this for my clients, but I also do it for me. I was working with a credit union and they were struggling with how they had the the next person, the successor identified But the board wasn't sure that that person was ready. There was a lot of uncertainty in the organization. The next tier people weren't sure how this person should step in. The person stepping into the role wasn't sure how much she should do. She didn't want to step on the current CEO's toes. So they brought us in for a year. And in that entire year, we... First off, we worked with all of those different teams, but we also realized that there was a critical need in the marketplace for a service that helps organizations 
with their succession planning. And then at the end of this year, we realized, I did this with Meredith Elliott Powell, we realized we had a lot of notes. So we looked at each other and one of us said, you know, this should probably be a book. And the other one said, we're way too busy to write another book. And then the other one said, I really think this should probably go into a book. Let me create a book cover. And once you get a book cover, all I mean, most people do that last, but once you get a book cover, all of a sudden it becomes real. And sometimes for some people having that book cover means it's a real project, so you need to get to it. That's great advice. I love that. I'm writing, writing that down and taking notes. Um, now, I'm curious. Did you do any research to see if there are any other books in the marketplace? Because a lot of my clients and prospects come to me and they say, you know, why do we need another book about sales or leadership or management? And obviously, there are many answers to that question because uh, it could be a vertical niche. It could be a new take. It could be for a different audience. It could be... Uh, there could be a lot of reasons why it would stand out on its own, but there would also be a lot of reasons why it's just another Me Too book. What kind of research did you do to see how to make your book truly unique? So it's a lot like love songs. There's a lot out there, and we're always still looking for another good one. <laughs> that's Twitterable right there. That's some right. Twitter words right there. Right, um, Another good book is like another good love song. There's lots of them out there, and some appeal to some people and some appeal to others. In our book, we could not find another succession planning book that was systematic and process-oriented as ours was. Interestingly enough, I did interview some of the other top authors of other succession planning books. I interviewed Richard Bryan, who has um, the book about when he took over his family's auto industry in Great Britain. And I interviewed Mitzi Perdue of the Perdue Family Farms, the chicken farms. And she, of course, she's a prolific writer. She's out of D.C. And she's written like 20 books. um, And several of them were all about how to create a family business as a legacy. So we really tapped into the, the minds of who else was writing. But there's not another book out there that says, okay, so you know you might either be promoted, that's something you got to plan for too, or you might retire, or there's all kinds of other fill in the blanks. What do you do next? And we wanted to write something that if you were a millennial or a Gen Zer or somebody who's in the workforce that maybe you feel like you've been overlooked, you can look at this book and go, okay, so how do I groom myself for that next level of opportunity as well? Why we're different is we put together not just um, some of the the anecdotes, but also the process that goes into thinking about the leadership competencies you need in order to run a really successful business. Good advice. Uh, Great information. Um, So I'm curious, how did you find the people to interview and how forthcoming were they? Was it difficult to get people to share their stories? So the great thing about... um, certain networks is that you can arm twist your friends (laughs) into introductions. And so essentially I did Google searches and then I looked at anybody who had written a succession planning book and then approached them. And I just went on LinkedIn, found a connection to a connection to a connection. In most cases, we're not that far apart and sent them a note and said, look, um, I'm writing a book. I would love to get your ideas on this. And here's what's interesting. Rather than viewing what we did as competition for their book, 
what we do in our book is we use their story their, their individual stories as case studies and then we reference them we're like and this is their book and this is a great book and here's some of the things that they cover in their books and you might want to get their book so we really look at it in not a competition way but in a collaboration which you know i'm all about and so everybody we approach said yes so you have the book how has a book helped help improve your business you know why don't we take a step back on your your book journey. Tell us about your first book and why you decided to write it and how that made a difference for you. Because obviously it's helped you because you're writing another book and you're probably going off in a different tangent now. So tell us, tell us about uh, how the books actually help you build a business. I always find it interesting to see how people write their first book, especially if there's more than one. So my first few books were actually collaboration ships that were written for the Naval Academy when I was back teaching at the Naval Academy. And they are still used by the leadership department for leadership classes. And I joke that that's a thousand people a year buy a book that they will never read. So, so whether they read it or not, that's great. But it started me onto that journey. And then I was part of another collaboration ship for economic development that I'm pretty sure that book is no longer in print. That whole time, I was on active duty the whole time. So I was writing, but I wasn't in charge of my own publications. So then the Master Your World, the 10 Leadership Lessons book, I was out of the military and I was trying to convey military leadership in a way that would be palatable to civilians. So that, so I put a dog on the front cover of it. I called it dog lessons. It was really military lessons, but I wrote that because I had written, I had been writing for a newspaper and there was some syndication. And so they, about 20 articles really took off pretty well. And that was the basis for the book. But I was also at that time launching my development company and my speaking business. So it all tied in very nicely. If I think when you when you write your first real book, something that you're going to ideally get royalties from and control every aspect of it, that you I overthought a lot of things. Um, my first book took me eight years. My second book took me 90 days. <laughs> And, and the part of that, um, the motivation for that, the second real, like the real book. So really it was like four and five, but we don't count the, some of the others. Um, the 15 ways to grow your business in every economy was because I was giving a presentation to a multilinguistic audience. There were people from about 35 countries and I did not know if English was going to be the dominant language. It's my only dominant language. So I was trying to make it as easy as possible for my audience members. And my intent was just to create a whole bunch of handouts. And then um, one of my friends said, you know, Mary, this probably would be a lot easier if it was all in one place, all at one time. And I'm like, well, I'll staple it. (laughs) (laughs) And um, he assured me that that was not, in fact, enough. He said, this really needs to be in something we can walk away from. So if you could put it into a book, that would be really helpful. Well, I was 92 days away from that event. So I said, well, I have to put my wine glass down and you know how hurtful that is for me. And I said, I have to go home now and put this together in a book. And I first saw that book when it was shipped to that event 92 days later. Wow. And what has that, how did that first book impact your career? That first book was a bestseller and it made my speaking career. And here's why. I was then identified as number one, an expert in my field. So 25 years in the Navy, I'd led teams, I was in command, I had all that stuff, but the book solidified it for people who go to hire people. 
And my military experience doesn't always translate easily into the civilian world. But a book, people understand. And the book is fairly easy to read. It's It's got funny cartoons in it. I try to make it enjoyable. But it's got some pretty hard-hitting things in there as well. But it made... It really carried me through my first couple of years, especially as a speaker, because the question is, do you have a topic? Do you have a book? But here's where the book really helped me. When you write a book, it clarifies your message. All of a sudden, you have to provide clarity in chapters in a way that makes sense to people. So you can either do it by doing the speech and then writing the book or writing the book and doing the speech. I did it, my first one, by writing the book and then doing the speech. Now, with the succession planning book, I mostly was doing the speech, the speaking with the spe- different speeches and every month, and then that became the book. So I think there's two ways to do it. Okay. So let's talk about how to turn your book into a business. How are you going to monetize the book into your speaking and training and consulting business? So every book that I try to do is just a way for people to not lose me. Like our friend Dave Newman says, it's not your client's job to stay in contact with you. It is your job to stay in contact with them. So it's really our job to stay top of mind to the people who can hire us. And I don't know about you, but in my cabinet behind me, I have about 10,000 business cards of people in plastic bags that I should do something with, but I don't really know what to do with those. But I also have a bookshelf. And that bookshelf is full, and it's very hard to lose a book. So for me, a book is a business card that, number one, people are excited to get. Number two, it reinforces your message, but also your values, your approach, your integrity, your character, what you think about, what you care about. It's you in 250 pages. And so they get to walk away with an element of you. So it's a business card they want, but it's also a little bit of an introduction into your soul. And so then they get to know you if they read it. Even if they don't read it, it's great because your contact information is going to be in that book. And when they say, oh, gosh, Dan Janelle, he wrote that book on that PR thing or what did he do? Wait, let me grab his book. And there you are. So it helps them It stay it helps me stay top of mind with my clients when there is a nice looking book that has my name on it and they like it. Great. So you, you're coming out with a new book, you have seminars. How are you going to get the word out to the people who can hire you? How does the book play into that promotion? Well, I've got this friend named Dan Janelle and he does oh, these no, press no. releases. We're not talking about press releases and <laughs> PR leads. I'm talking about more marketing, but thank you very much for the plug. Mm-hmm. So the marketing that I use, uh, a couple of techniques. So first, I do have a team of people who put together about um, 300 tweets, um, short memes, all of that about the book. So that will get rolled out and a different one will be posted several times a day. Um, Twitter, Instagram, um, Snapchat, all that stuff. They're doing that. I don't have to worry about that, but that gets out there. And then it's got the hashtag to the book, who comes next, and a link to the Amazon Uh, page where they can get that book. The second thing, and this may be a value to your listeners, is we, we were gauging the interest in this book. So we did a drip campaign online just for our email list. And we sent it out advertising a totally free, totally no strings, no salesy webinar that was all about succession planning, where we discussed succession planning. And we had a couple hundred people show up for that. And several more people said, where's the book? How do we get the book? 
We need help now. So it did a couple things. First off, it established us as experts. It got the word out in a way that was generous. Like we're not, we're not trying to sell you anything. We're just telling you what we found. Here's some of the issues. Here's some of our solutions. And because I think we were non-salesy, there was no call to action or ask or anything like that. I think people like that. We also put together some handouts, an assessment, some other things that are totally free, totally available so that people go, you know what, we might want to think about that. We gave them a place to go. And it's not about selling the book. It's all about establishing us as experts and making sure people know that we've got a system that works, that we've tried it on several companies and that it may help them. So we are. We did the social media, we did this webinar with a drip campaign, with a website that was totally about the succession planning process. And then the book kind of reinforced our status as experts. And did that lead to new clients and speaking engagements automatically? Did people start asking you if you could provide these services, even though you hadn't even really offered them yet? Yes. And so that, that's what <laughs> I see that smile called. on your face. Yes. <laughs> yes. So we did a few things. So all of a sudden succession planning, which not a lot of people are doing, and a lot of people are not doing well. Our experts, we think, are doing fantastically well with this, of course. But all of a sudden, this became yet another arrow in the quiver for us because we focus on leadership. And this is a huge leadership issue, and it's a huge leadership gap. So the other aspect of this, of course, is in terms of getting out there and how you use this was we created, and a lot of people won't do this because they won't want to, but we created a one sheet that was the succession planning information. And we put my picture on it, Meredith's picture on it, our contact information, but then we each sent it out to our lists as well as sending her one sheet out and sent my one sheet out. So we cross-promoted each other. So she sent so so we and we crafted this together. So she sent it to her list, I sent it to my list, and then we had one central person with a phone number and an email um, to book either Mary or Meredith or both. Please call this number. So the people wouldn't feel like, uh, we picked Meredith over you. Sorry. So there's no <laughs> because we're totally happy if the other one gets booked. We don't care. We're just we're re- there's plenty of work for all of us and we love working together when we can, but we cross promoted. And I think that's huge. What tips would you have for working with a co-author? Wow. Okay, so you know I've done this before. Um, I wrote with Peter Stark, who's amazing. And I'm fond of telling people that if you have never written a book with somebody, it is a lot like having a baby with someone you don't know well. (laughs) And people generally laugh. And then I'll say something to an audience. I'll say, oh, so you've done that one, have you? Well, it's a lot like that. Because you either get closer together or you become further apart. I know some people who co-authored things and, um, yeah, they hate that other person. So you have to find somebody that you trust 100%. You have to find somebody whose success you want to see more than your own. And that way it's like a marriage. And um, Peter and I were both separately interviewed about this once. And he, he and I both likened it to a marriage. You really have to be mindful of that other person's needs in the process and what's going to work for them. And you have to compromise like a marriage. So in any, in any good marriage or solid relationship, you only fight about things that you both really care about. If the other person really cares and you don't, you don't fight, you go, okay. So you have to kind of be that way with a book. If you feel real strongly about one thing and they don't really care, then ideally they just cave and you're like, okay. And same with you. You know, one of the things is whose name comes first on a book. 
You know, that's always a thing. And I love it when both of us are like, we don't care. <laughs> we don't, we don't care. That's not the issue. The issue is whether or not we're delivering, con- delivering the content that is valuable to our people in a way that's meaningful for them. So you have to give up credit. You have to give up, um, you know, certain decisions you have to, and you have to really want success for the other person. Um, so that's on the psychological side, on the practical side, Peter and I work best when we, um, have specific goals, specific things. Okay. I will have, you know, 5,000 words on this by this, or I've got this one article that I think needs to be fleshed out. Let me send it to you. But then we give each other deadlines. We're really good on deadlines. So Meredith and I worked a little bit differently. We mapped out a couple days where she was going to be in her office and I was going to be in my office and we were going to both be writing at the same time and check in with each other every couple hours. And so it was like a writing retreat, but we did it separately. And that really helped us as well. We also, one of the things that Meredith and I did that I thought may help some of your folks is we put together an online course as well. And when you put together an online course, all of a sudden you've got to organize the content. And that organized content became, again, the framework for the book. I'm thinking, you said you can write for several hours at a time. A lot of my clients find it hard to write for 15 minutes at a time. What are your secrets for getting a book done? Because you you said before you, you wrote a book in 90 days. Um, mm-hmm. I think, and I think people can do that. I think if they write 15 minutes a day, every day for 90 days, they will have a book. Um, what are your thoughts about carving out those periods of time? How do you get your books done? So I'm the first one to say that sometimes the muse doesn't hit. Yeah. And sometimes you sit there looking at a blank piece of paper and all you can think about is the laundry you have to do, the fact that the dishes need to be done and you'd rather be scrubbing a toilet. You know, we <laughs> all have that. And I am no different. I am not, I don't have magic writing genes or anything like that. But for me, I kind of view it the same way I wrote in graduate school. That is, I have a deadline. So, um, and I, by the way, look really, really ugly when I do this. Um, so I do better when I'm really focused. I get ahead of steam. I put my hair in a ponytail. I'm in sweatpants. I am ugly. And I just write. And so I am better. So 15 minutes a day is hard for me because once I start, if I've got a head of steam, I'm going to keep going Mm -hmm. and then I get excited. So there's that. But the, the big issue I think for most people is that they simply don't make it a priority. If you are serious about writing, you have to make writing a priority. And that means you have to do it often. And so even, so a lot of us, if we have, if we have, the ability to search the internet, we go down a rabbit hole. We, mm. we get distracted. There, there's a million and one distractions. There's a bunch of reasons why people don't write. So one of the things I also do is I, I have a military brain. I'm like, okay, if you're going to do this, sit your butt down and do it. When I interviewed Stephen Pressfield a couple of years oh. ago, remember that? That was really fun. He wrote um, The War of Art and... Uh, you know, the, the last of the Amazons and Gates of Fire, Legend of Bagger Vance. Uh, so he was kind to me and allowed me to interview him. And I asked him that question. Apparently he gets asked all the time. Yeah. Um, I said, you know, how do you do it? What do you feel like when you just, you know, when the muse doesn't come? And he said, I find that the muse magically appears every single morning at 9 a.m. because that is when my butt sits down at the desk to write. 
Writing is about discipline. Writing is about deadlines. Writing is about consistency. And so you don't have to do it for life. But if you can do it for 90 days or 30 days, you know, I'm at like a lot of people go, I just can't do that. Well, but you could do it for a week, couldn't you? Okay, I could do it for a week. Okay, so write 15 minutes a day for a week. That's it. At the same, you know, ideally at the same time every day. So your body starts to get used to it. And all of a sudden, when you put yourself in that spot to write, to focus, your body takes over. Um, I also ride on planes. Planes are awesome because there's no good internet. There's no good internet on planes. The people next to you probably don't want to talk to you. So I pull, as soon as we get to 10,000 feet, it's like my body kicks in, computer comes out, and I just sit there and write. Great advice. You know, when I tell my clients that 15 minutes a day, that's a starting point. I mean, it's not an ending point. You know, if you, if you, it's like just warming up. If you can get the 15 mm-hmm. minutes down, it's really fascinating to see how far you can go from there so you can go for 45 minutes or an hour or a day it all it all really depends in fact i was ghostwriting a book with a doctor we were writing a fiction book and i would say okay now samantha is in this situation how can she get from here to there what would have to happen here what would be her obstacles in the way what would make this interesting Mm -hmm. and combative and confrontational to make it interesting in a thriller kind of way and the muse just hit you know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, you know, it was a lot of fun. But see, I think, Dan, that's key too, is that for many of us, when we speak, we're very focused. So I'll, one of the other techniques I used to use in college, when my engineer friends would come in and say, I have a three-page paper and I just want to die. You know, they did not get that. I would say, okay, so what do you know about this topic? And they would tell me, and I would sit there and scribble notes. So what is, what is the main point that you think people should know about this topic? I'd write that down. And then what are some examples that support that? And then they would tell me, I'm like, here's your paper. Here's the main point. Here's what you know about it. Here's the supporting things. So talking it out with someone else, um, and you can transcribe it, just asking someone else questions and having them answer it is a great way for people to get their book thoughts out of their head. And as you know, I'm a great fan of transcribing stuff, transcribe your notes. And then if you talk, if you even talk for 15 minutes a day and transcribe that, you'll have a book in 90 days. I, I agree with you completely. Well, thank you, Mary. Why don't you tell us uh, uh, about your um, how people can get in touch with you or find out more about your books, and we'll wrap it up. Thanks so much. So my website, Dan, is called ProductiveLeaders.com, you know, because who wants an unproductive leader? <laughs> ProductiveLeaders.com. And there is a section backslash free where there's a ton of free resources. There are business resources, there are writing resources, there's leadership resources, um, no signups or anything like that. And I'm available at Mary at ProductiveLeaders.com. Well, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for listening to Top Business Leaders, the only podcast that shows you exactly how people just like you have built their businesses by writing a book. If you'd like to write your book but don't know where to start, you can find great information at writeyourbookinaflash.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with another insightful interview to help you become a top business leader.